Hey everybody, how you doing? It's David Andrew here. Hope you're doing well. Welcome to the Inverse Podcast. Hey, today's going to be a doozy. We're going to do a two-parter. Uh, we're going to have our guest and our friend, Pastor Poncho Maguia, who's going to speak and share a bunch of crazy stuff. So just be warned up front that um, it's pretty heavy listening, um, but it's kind of real life stuff that's going on uh, in the life and the ministry of um, Pastor Poncho. So um, just a warning up front, just, you know, because we love you, we care about you, all that kind of fun stuff. Um, and also just wanted to thank the people who are getting out there and supporting us through Patreon. It really helps us continue to be able to put out these podcasts and do the work of editing and it takes a significant chunk of time for this to happen and so that really helps us and uh, helps us help you. So hope you enjoy. Let's jump on into the episode. Well thank you brother. We're recording. (laughs) And um, I I was telling Craig I I wanted these stories to be recorded because I'm fearful that I'll go home and share your stories and people just won't believe me <laughs> because they're, they're just so incredible and encouraging. And um, I shared a little yes. bit on Instagram about us meeting and shared the photo of us up on the hill over Simonstown and uh, people were like, I'm in tears. This is the most mm. encouraging thing I've heard in wow. such a long time. And um, so thank you for your time. Oh, and my pleasure. I, I look forward to having you visit me and I yes. hope to come and visit you. Um, so in terms of where you are, uh, where is your location in Mexico? Well, we're in the, uh, we have uh, 3,000 kilometers border between the United States and Mexico. Mm. What is right in the middle, right. <laughs> which is the state uh, of the province of Chihuahua. Yeah. And, uh, Famous for its dogs. Yes, that's, that's right. right. That's where Chihuahua <laughs> dogs come from. <laughs> <laughs> and we're at the border with El Paso, Texas. Huh. So we, we're exactly where Texas and New Mexico meet. Wow. And the state of Chihuahua. So we always say that there are three states and two nations. Yeah, wow. Right there. <laughs> and of course, um, uh, thanks to Netflix and a number of uh, movies, um, it's become famous because of uh, El Chapo yes. and uh, Pablo Escobar. <laughs> That's right. And, um, uh, despite all the wonderful things about Mexico, it's often just reduced to the backdrop of these yes. uh, crime uh, stories, which uh, will get into in terms of uh, some of the realities of mm-hmm. what it is for you seeking to follow Jesus in that location where they're realities. But you've chosen a passage of scripture yes. for, for us to explore. Would you read that at the start? Yes, of course. It's, uh, in fact, I, I always have this scripture in mind. And as a pastor, I've been taught this scripture a lot. <laughs> it's uh, Acts uh, 17, verse 6. Huh. You know, Paul and Silas are coming, are going to uh, to Thessalonica. Yeah. So when when they get there, this is what the Bible says. But when they did not find them, because this the Jews were against them and they they're following them, they were trying to find them. Mm. So because they couldn't find them, uh, they dragged Jason. Uh, with we was uh, he was with. Uh, Peter. Mm. But it says, but when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other believers before the city officials, shouting, this man who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here. 
That's, that's amazing. One, one of my big influences, N.T. Wright, um, yes. he jokes that wherever Paul went, riots broke out. Yes. Wherever I go, they serve me cups of tea. Yes. <laughs> And I would say that if, if you go someplace and you don't create that, there's a problem. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Tell me, in terms of this text turning your world upside down, when do you first remember encountering the Bible? Well, definitely was the, the 23rd of uh, August of 1973. <laughs> you were the first person to actually give me a date of all the interviews I've done. So this is obviously an important date. In Very 1970s. important day. <laughs> How old were you at the time? I was uh, 18. 18 years old. Yes. Wow. And uh, because of the, the religion I was in, I, I had a strong belief that I was going to go to heaven because of my good deeds. Mm. And I had them. Mm. <laughs> you know, I, I did everything they asked me to do. I was a very good boy. Uh, you know, never flunked a, a test at school, never got enough to a fight. Mm. You know, the, the, what you could say, you know, a good <laughs> yeah. young boy. So uh, that day, uh, one of my friends... Uh, Got the Bible and opened the Bible and showed me Ephesians 2.8. Huh. For by grace we're saved, by faith. Not because of our own works, right, but by, by grace. Mm. So that changed my life. Mm. <laughs> that I was challenged so much because I started questioning uh, not, not only myself, but the people who taught me that I was going to be in heaven because of my good works. Right. And uh, I, I didn't have an argument because it, it was right there. It was so clear. Yeah. So that day I came to my knees and, and I said, Jesus, forgive me for trying to buy heaven <laughs> with my deeds. Wow. <laughs> and uh, that was when I was born again. And that was the first time I, I, I heard wow. the Bible in that, in that sense, that it, it became alive. It changed my life. Wow. Which might surprise some people, Poncho, because... Um, your life is full of good deeds. And in fact, in terms of like where that passage goes, um, uh, say by grace, uh, through faith, not by works, so no not one can boast. Yes. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. To do good works. Um, as, a con- as a consequence. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> that changed for you on that day. Oh, totally, totally. That um, deeds of compassion became the outworking, not the yes. striving. Yeah. Yeah, wow. The result and at the cost. Wow. And, uh, and I changed my life because I, I really paid a price to, to stay. You know, but when I was 18, some of my friends went, you know, were doing drugs mm. and they were going to hire some ladies mm. to have sex and stuff like that. I never participated in anything like that because mm. I need to be good so I can <laughs> be qualified to go to right. heaven. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> and... Um, just the time we've spent together, I know that your life got not neater but messier pretty quickly afterwards. Yes. <laughs> uh, I heard that um, uh, story of you seeking to, to share the gospel with someone just a couple of months after being a Christian. Yes. And the challenge that she had. And then can you share just a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. Uh, I started preaching the gospel because uh, I, I did, what I discovered was so amazing. Yeah. That that because of Jesus dying on the cross for us and, and based on his merits, not ours, mm. we could have salvation. To me that was exciting news. Yeah. <laughs> so I started sharing in my neighborhood and uh and, and and you know, a few of the of the young teenagers that I was preaching to, 
they become uh, Christians. But I was I was mm. talking to this lady, one of the, our neighbors, very important lady in the city. So mm. I, I'm you know I'm trying to share the gospel and <laughs> and all this and and uh, and she listened to me and uh, after she did that she just asked me one question. And she said, "Okay, okay, that's fine. What, what you tell me, but what are you gonna do?" And that question. <laughs> what are you follows, gonna do? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that question has been following me about wow. this day because uh, we can talk a lot about Jesus, and we should. Yeah. But if we don't, we don't have the works that that verify our faith, then it's just talk. So, so that was a good question because I was so excited about it. I was preaching the gospel, I was sharing, mm. but I never thought. I need to do something, <laughs> wow. not to confront, not not to to uh, to buy my salvation, mm. but to confirm that I was already saved. <laughs> <laughs> so so um, I was kind of surprised by the question. I said, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so she said, Well, we're helping a a, a lady, a thirty four year old lady that is dying of cancer. Mm. So what are you gonna do? <laughs> that's a good question always to ask yeah. right? because we can talk about suffering and all that but what are we going to do Yeah. so I, I decided I said well I can go and visit her to the hospital so I did Beautiful. and after after three months of visiting her almost every day uh, I, I, I remember that she was dying of cancer mm. and, uh, and then she tells me one of those days she said uh, I have six children I said I don't know What's happening to them? I've been in the hospital for more than four months, and I don't know where, where they are or what's going on. So she told me where they live in a small town uh, about close to one hour away from Juarez. Mm. And uh, this is a small town where there's no pavement, no, you know, no electricity, nothing like that. So he told me how to get there. Um, then the next Friday, I, I told her that I was going to go and visit them on Saturday. Mm. So next Friday, they told me that, that she passed away. Wow. So now I'm going like, okay, I'm going to go and find them. But, but now I, I'm 18 years old. I've been a, a Christian for three, four months. Mm. And I had to tell this family that their mom died. Wow. So I found the house. And it was an actual house. It was just a room, dirty floor, no electricity, no bathroom. So I knock on the, on the door. And, and when, when it was open, there's the 12-year-old girl with a nine-month baby on her lap. Mm-hmm. And then four little guys in the middle, and I had to tell them that their mom died, and and, and I, I didn't know them; they didn't know me. Mm-hmm. So uh, I just, you know, told her, and she started crying. Well, we buried the body uh, one or two days after, mm-hmm. and then we decided. We said we cannot just leave this family because they were by themselves. Yeah, they they've been leaving because some neighbors neighbors would bring a tortilla, a glass of milk, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we, we, we came back every, every day. I, I was finishing my college degree and I was working and, uh, and then I would go and every single day. So uh, the government came in and uh, especially this lady that they wanted to uh, dismember the family. They, were, they, they wanted to send two of the girls to, uh, to, uh, to an orphanage and then one of the boys to be adopted, I don't know where, and then another right. boy to another, another uh, uh, place. So I, I started arguing that, you know, you cannot do this. I mean, this, this is the only thing they have themselves. Yeah. Well, one day uh, after, I don't know, it was a month or a month and a half that I was telling the, uh, the, the people from the government all this. It was a Saturday. I remember we were playing football <laughs> with the kids, yeah. having fun. And then this lady came. 
mm. to, the, to the, this small house, this, this room where they were living. And, uh, and then I started telling her, you cannot do this, you cannot do this. And then all of a sudden she said, okay, I'm going to ask you one question. And, and I go, yes. So she said, uh, if I give them to you, will you take them? Would you be responsible? And, you know, I'm 18 years old. I'm 18 year old. She's 12 years. She could be my sister. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, you know, full of faith. And, and I said, sure, I will. Well, she went back to the, to the car he, she was driving. And then he got this bunch of papers. He tore them all apart. They, you know, the, the, the case that, that she was taking. Wow. And then she threw it in the trash can. And, it's, and then she said, they're yours. And she left. So there I am. <laughs> so we, we unofficially adopted them and I made a commitment for 15 years mm. with, with another uh, 11 kids my age and decided to put $4 each a month and, uh, and take care of them. And we did. Uh, so that was an experience that I never intended to have <laughs> because somebody asked the question yeah. what are you gonna do wow. <laughs> so so we never know yeah we just need to be open and obedient to the lord and and he will take us whatever he wants and he will give us the faith and the means to do it and poncho what i found so incredible about your stories is i i know some people that come out of cultures where um eternal life is something you purchase with seeking to be good yes. <laughs> yeah. um, and then hear um, the message of grace and it becomes an excuse to never care about the poor. Oh, don't worry about the poor. You only do that if you're concerned about going to heaven. Yes. <laughs> but you weren't concerned about like eternal life. You were actually concerned about them. Yes. Like yes. grace for you isn't just what saved you, but oh, what yes. you were saved for. Like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and yes. I, I find that, absolutely incredible because i i know as you fast forward your story and that adoption and how much that played a part in you would you if we if you don't mind me fast forwarding to yes. mm-hmm. um you're a pastor of a church and uh god asked you to do something which is a bit strange <laughs> yes. which got quite a bit of tension and in in 21 days um your city started to to change would you talk about that? Yes, sure. Yes, uh, after this happened with the, with the children, uh, I ended up pastoring a small group of uh, actually kids my age. Yeah. And actually because of that group that we made a commitment, we started a meeting at my home to read the Bible. Wow. And then uh, uh, more kids started coming. And then we grew to 20, 40, 50, 60, until my dad said, you, you cannot meet in my home <laughs> <laughs> anymore. <laughs> so we said, so one of the, of the girls of that, that was coming for the Bible study said, well, let me talk to my mom and see if we can go to our home. So, mm. so her mom said, yeah, you can come. So when we, when we, when we were there the next Sunday, uh, it was a beautiful day, and they lived right in front of the park. Mm. So I said, why don't we meet you know, at the park be, you know, uh, under the tree. So we did, and we stayed there for five years. Wow. <laughs> and that's how the church actually grew. Yeah. So 29 years later, uh, finally we're recognized by the city. Hmm. And uh, we have, uh, uh, we grew and, and, and uh, we ended up uh, buying, a, well, building a, um, a building and, and, and all that for the, for the congregation. Uh, it cost us about $3 million and we paid, almost paid for it. Wow. Full. 
and uh, we started a uh, Bible, uh, a, a pastor's college. Yeah. We were planting churches in Mexico and the United States. We had a, a grammar school, a high mm-hmm. school, and we were doing pretty good. And then one day, again, without even praying, <laughs> God just speaks to me and he says, I want you to leave everything. Wow. And I'm going like, uh, well, I spent about close to three hours fighting God about that. <laughs> and uh, I basically was saying, you cannot ask me to do this. I mean, you choose me when I was 18. Uh, I've given my life. I love these people. I work for these people. I, uh, you're asking me to tear up my heart. Oh. Uh, because that's what I do. That's yeah. that's. And, and, and I was kind of telling him, you cannot, you cannot do that. Mm. You know, you owe me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Talking about deeds, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not for salvation, but not. <laughs> yeah, right. Some things are hard to yes. unlearn. Yeah. <laughs> so, so then the Lord just told me, um, again, another question. God speaks to me with a lot of questions. So the Lord told me, okay, just one question. He said, yeah, what's the question? And he says, whose church is it? Mm. Oh, when I heard that, I came down to my knees and I asked for forgiveness because... I asked him to forgive me because he said, instead of whining, <laughs> mm. I should have said, thank you for the opportunity of serving you 29 years as a wow. pastor. Yeah. And uh, so I talked to my wife. And that, that was, a, that was a, a, another experience that I had because, uh, because uh, once I understood, I, I knew it was God. And I said, okay, Lord, I'll follow you. I'll do whatever you ask, you ask me to do. But... But Laura, can I ask you something? <laughs> and and, uh, and I said, can you tell my wife? Because I'm going to tell my wife. <laughs> I'm going to tell my wife we're leaving. <laughs> I believe that our wives pay a harder price huh. when you're pastoring because uh, we, 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 we take upon our shoulders the congregation. Yeah. Well, our wives take the congregation and us. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and it's, it's you yeah. know, they know they know us. <laughs> they and, know. And knowing your incredible wife and knowing more of your story and uh, with cartels taking out, like, oh, yeah. you as a marked man. And I was so... I, I was going to say moved, but more than moved, I was disturbed mm-hmm. by hearing about your wife talk about your prayer life and at the end of the day, thank you, Lord, that we had another day together. Yes. Because you were living with the expectation... Yes. that cartels might knock you out because yeah. of your ministry. Mm-hmm. But I've jumped forward in the yes. story. <laughs> yes. You were about to tell me about the park. So, yeah, so so um, so I said, Lord, talk to my wife because how can I tell her? So I, after three hours that I was praying, I, I called her and I we went to the bedroom and uh, I told her, well, I didn't know how to tell her. Mm-hmm. So I went, you know, this way, that way. <laughs> so finally I said, you know what? Uh, God just spoke to me and I believe that's what he wants. And I know that it's going gonna, it's gonna to sound difficult, but we need to obey. And I'm giving her all this <laughs> sermon and explanation. And all so finally I said, and he's asking us to leave the congregation and everything we're doing. So I'm looking at her face and, and I remember very clearly that her left eye... You know, a tear comes out of her oh. left eye. And I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be difficult because if, if I was hurting, she's going to be hurting more. So when she opened her beautiful mouth, he said, Poncho, the Lord told me three years ago oh, wow. that, that he was going to ask you this. Wow. And he, he told me to pray for you, not to say anything. So by the time he would let you know, you would obey. 
So he said, my husband, I will follow you wherever the Lord leads. Wow. And the first thought that I had in my mind was, uh, I don't deserve this mm. woman as my wife. Mm. Uh, I mean, three years. <laughs> and I, and I, wouldn't, I, I didn't notice any change in, in her heart uh, of serving. Well, like, you know, if she knew that we were going out, no, I never saw that, uh, quite the contrary. And then the other thought I had in my mind, I was, I would ask the Lord, come on, Lord, three years, mm. she need to pray for me. <laughs> say, Am I that hard-headed? <laughs> and the Lord said, mm-hmm, yes, you are. <laughs> so for me, that, that, was, that was a confirmation that, yeah. you know, I, I wasn't even expecting. Well. We talked to our children, six children, mm. and uh, all of them said, Mom, Dad, Whatever the Lord leads you, will go with you. Mm. So, so a few months later, uh, three months later, uh, we left the congregation, talked to the pastors and the team, the pastoral team, and, and we made the transition. Mm. So the next thing that God asked me to do is to, to do a 21-day fast, mm. uh, only on water. and uh, Nothing but water. Nothing but water, yeah. Wow. And I said, Lord, you know that I, I, I always love to spend time with you, so if you're asking me for one more uh, fast in my life, I'll gladly do it. But then the Lord told me, but you're going to have to do it for the city and in a public park. And I'm going like, I never fasted for the city. <laughs> I did it for me, for my marriage, my family, my ministry, our projects. But for the city, I, I never even, even mm. thought about it. And then on a public park? Uh, <laughs> So I talked to the Pastors Alliance of the city, and I said, guys, this is what God is telling me. I, I need your support. And thank God all of them said, we'll, we'll back you up. So the next day I went to the park, put a tent, and stayed for 21 <laughs> days there. In a tent, in, yeah. in a park, in the city. Yeah, yeah. And how did people respond? People? Yeah. What did they think? Well, everybody, well, at the beginning, people were just kind of, Thinking this is this is weird. What what, what what's he doing? <laughs> and then you know, not eating, just drinking water. And then uh, I made I made a plan like to play about fourteen hours a day mm. and having rest, period, periodic rest, rest. Mm. Not thinking on the first day, but thinking on the last one. Yeah. And uh, so I that was quite an experience because as I started praying for the city, I did I actually didn't know how to pray for my city. Mm. I said, Lord, should I pray for the lights <laughs> to be on and, and, and so they can patch the holes in the streets? Or how, do, how, do, how do I pray for a city? Huh. So something amazing happened. Um, a, 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 a person from the local newspaper came to interview me. So he asked me permission. I said, yes. So she said, so he immediately started asking the, the questions like, uh, why are you hunger striking? Who are you get, mad against? <laughs> what is your petition? <laughs> Let us know. We put it in the paper. and, and well, we, What's your protest? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, what's your protest? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going, no, 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 wait, wait. Uh, I'm not doing anything like that. I'm not, hang, I'm, I'm not angry. I'm not, I'm not hunger striking. <laughs> I don't have any process actually learning to love my city and uh, for God to bless my city. Huh. So he scratches his back, <laughs> and then he says, "No, that wouldn't sell." So and, and he left. Yeah. So I said, "No, that was an interesting interview." Yeah. <laughs> but he went to talk to his boss, and and his boss was saying, "So what's the deal?" And he said, "Nothing. <laughs> this guy is not. <laughs> he's a crazy man uh, with a tent talking to God." In yeah. The park. <laughs> <laughs> 
so, so, so he explains the whole situation, and, and his boss just look at him, and uh, and then his boss says, you know what, what, are, what we're gonna do? You gotta go every day to ask this guy what is God saying to the city, and then you come back and we put in the newspaper, <laughs> just like that. <laughs> so, so I was learning that, you know, God, God has His story, huh. and we're doing ours. Our <laughs> challenge is come up. Yeah. And be part of his story. Wow. And when, when we're in his story, amazing things happen. Mm. When we're hustling in our story, mm. uh, sometimes a lot of the experiences we have, you know, there's no fruit in it. Mm. So, so when, when they started putting in the newspaper, well, other newspaper came, the radio, the TV mm. station, and all of a sudden it was kind of a, mm. one of the news in the And city. the newspaper, their initial thinking was, if he's crazy or he's a charlatan, it might still be a news story. And if he's right, yeah. it'll be a news it story. Be. But either way, it's news, right? I like, guess. Yeah. <laughs> I was surprised. Yeah. So, so when, when he was in the news and all that, uh, people started coming huh. to the park uh, to be prayed for. Wow. And uh, so, so within those 21 days, I had the experience of feeling the city. Wow. By the people that were coming. Yeah. Because at the beginning, you know, the first one to come were, you know, people with drug problems, yeah. uh, people who, who, who were thinking uh, that there was something very wrong in their, in their lives. Mm. And, uh, and then not only that, but, but more people started coming and, and uh, just regular people started coming. Mm. Uh, as I said, liars and lawyers, sometimes I didn't know which was which. <laughs> no, there are good lawyers, there are good lawyers. <laughs> so, and, the, and then businessmen, and then people from government. Juarez is in the north uh, border of Mexico, and the yeah. capital of the province is Chihuahua City, which is 320 kilometers south. Huh. Well, these guys were driving from Chihuahua City. No way. Driving three three hundred kilometers to come to the park, be prayed for, and then go back. Wow! Then, so so I was I was you know uh, it was God. Yeah. But but the main thing is that that I started understanding uh, more about the city mm. because of all these people were coming. When I finished the twenty one day fast, there were four thousand people praying for the city wow. with me. That just came it, to the park. It just, yeah, uh, they knew that it was the last yeah. day, and people just came. Yeah. And. Uh, and importantly, the mayor came to you. Yeah. Was it the mayor? Yeah, the mayor. Yeah. He was after that, yeah. Right. Yeah. So all these people coming. Just to be there because it was the last day, so yeah. I was going to give up my fast. And, wow. And, uh, and the mayor so, came to you with what might be... So for those who don't know your city, um, your city has had a certain reputation. <laughs> well, not at that time. <laughs> oh, really? Not at that time. So that was before the cocaine? That was, and... that was, that was before. Wow. Yeah, that was before because uh, the mayor calls me and, and asks me if I can help him clean the prison of Juarez. And he doesn't is... mean, can you come in with a broom? And, yes, uh... No, no. <laughs> no, it wasn't that kind of a cleaning. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the, the, the prison, we have 400 federal prisons in Mexico, and, and that one in Juarez was the 398th, wow. the worst, uh, one of the worst prisons in the, in the yeah. country. And, uh, and, he's and, and for me, people to have an idea of just how bad it is, there was I a, think so. a, a prison that a prisoner had not just paid to get things that shouldn't get in the prison, but a tiger? Yeah. <laughs> so 
A prisoner in a cell had another cell for a tiger That's for right. his entertainment in prison. Yes. I mean, you hear about people <laughs> smuggling in drugs, and stuff, <laughs> no, but how do you get a tiger <laughs> in? Like, that's crazy level corruption. <laughs> yes. Like, there's yes. a graph of corruption, <laughs> and it's like, oh, like drugs are kind of in the middle, but tiger is all the yes, way at the top. Yes. I don't think it gets worse than tiger. Yeah, the th- situation was that that, that that prison was controlled by the cartel. Mm. So when they got this drug lord and put him into prison, he just brought his tiger, his pet. Yeah. And, uh, and for those of us who haven't watched Narcos, uh, a, car- <laughs> a cartel uh, is like a mafia, right? Yes. It's like a, it's like a, a crime syndicate. Yeah, a crime syndicate that, that basically they do is that they traffic drugs yeah. and they have control of, uh, they get so much money out of the business that they control sometimes the government, the police, the police, and the territory. And the prisons. And, and, and the prison, yeah. So the mayor comes to you and he says, hey, so this is the kind of person we're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) You're you're the crazy guy with a tent in the park talking to God. (laughs) What are we going to do? Maybe that was the the reasoning, right? (laughs) Because I couldn't understand why would would he call me? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, we don't advertise as pastors that we can think prisons. (laughs) But um, they consulted you and there was this incredible story of prison reform and transformation and it went from being one of the worst prisons in Mexico um, to being the opposite. Yeah, right now it's the fifth best prison in Mexico. Which, I mean, we could do a whole podcast (laughs) just on on that story. Yes. I mean, the the story that really, like in terms of Jason and, and this stuff... Uh, they're defying Caesar's decree, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. Like, yes. <laughs> in terms of this, um, they're turning the world upside down yes. kind of stuff. Yes. Would you tell the story of um, the Sicarios, mm-hmm. which in Australia we know because of the film? Right. So, the so whole much, world knows yeah, it because of... so, so much of this has been glamorized and oh, um, turned into. It, you know, entertainment for the rest of us, and it's an exotic setting where people. Yes, yes. Um, but you were at the centre of ground zero for this and the fallout in yes. the city that you so loved, and in the same way that you adopted these beautiful children of this yes. woman who died, and you're 18 years old, and God gives you these children, mm-hmm. God gives you this city. Yes. And your heart breaks for this city. Mm-hmm. W- would you talk a little bit about what happened to the city um, when uh, Pablo Escobar um, started pushing the stuff instead of flu- through Florida um, north over the border through your city mm-hmm. uh, and the reality of Sicarios and what God asked for you in that context? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it, it wasn't Pablo Escobar. It was the, the Juarez cartel. Right, the one who started doing doing all that in your city, yeah, in my city, yes, and uh, yeah, when 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 this thing happened with the with the prisoner, it was totally uh, turned upside down mm. for God's glory. Yeah, um, the Lord gave us a word and said, "As the prison go, or as the prison went, so it's gonna go the city." Wow. So we were rejoicing and we were excited because we said, "Oh, what? something's gonna happen in Juarez that." Is gonna become. It's gonna be changed. Now at this time we didn't have the violence that that uh, qualified us as the most violent city in the world. That was still to come. That was still to come. Yeah. That was about two years earlier. Wow. And then when, after two years, uh, the violence started coming to our city, and uh, within I don't know 
within a year, less than a year, we were declared the most violent city in the world. Wow. And uh, that took us by surprise, mm. uh, even us as Christians. Mm. And uh, what we experienced uh, is, is, is hard and difficult to describe because uh, because so many people were dying. Uh, yeah. We had an average of 12 to 14 people every single day for two years, every single day being murdered and assassinated. Wow. Uh, so there's not a family in the city that isn't affected? Oh, all of us had a friend or a relative that, that something happened to them. Wow. And uh, you're, you're doing more funerals and marriages in oh, the yeah. ministry? There were uh, 15,000 kids were orphaned in those two years. 15,000? My goodness. The, according to statistics, more than 40,000 families experienced direct violence uh, one way or the other. They, it's that reality that doesn't that show reality? up in the movies. Oh, no. Doesn't. No. You don't see that on the Netflix. No, no. They just glamorize the, the issue that these people have lots of money and girls and drugs and cars and planes and tigers and, <laughs> and all that. <laughs> That's why we had to be a tiger. <laughs> And, uh, and, and they don't talk about the other side of the story. Yeah. Uh, and that's sad because a, a lot of kids, uh, when they see movies like that, they want to be like the ones in the movie, right? Yeah. Without having any idea. Yeah. I, I, I can tell you a story what, what happened to a, a 15, 16-year-old. Because uh, we've been working with gangs in Juarez for more than 30 years. Mm. And uh, these guys called me. Uh, he's 16 years old. And uh, he was, you know, a regular kid, mm. but yeah, he was glamorized by the whole thing of, of becoming a sicario. Mm. So uh, because the, the local cartel hired 10,000 kids, gang members, to send them to the streets to kill the other cartel, which hired 7,000. So, so, so it was kind of an open thing to, to become a sicario. So this 16-year-old kid comes through the to the mafia and says, mm -hmm. I want to be a sicario. So they, they don't actually even train them. So this, this was the deal with this kid. They said, um, you have to stay at home five days from Monday to Wednesday. To, from Monday to Friday, you have to stay at home. You cannot come out of, of your home. Three days a week, we, you know, we, you're not going to know which day. We're going to come to your house and we're going to pick you up. And then we'll tell you what we're going to do. Wow. So... They came to, to pick up this 16-year-old this um, one Monday, and then he got into a car. They gave him an AK-47, an automatic weapon, and this guy would drive with, with, the, with the teenager on his side. He would drive about two hours, and then he would say, that one, um, uh, a person. And he would just point to, a person out yeah. of the window. And he said, you have to kill that one. And, and then he had to step out of the car, go and kill him, and then went back to the car and then drive for another two more hours and that's it that way. Once he did, then he had to step out of the car and kill him. Then they would take him home and they would give him $50, US dollars. That's it, one. 50 bucks. For each one they killed, $100. One human life equals? $50. $50. A 16-year-old. And then he has to stay home. So maybe two days later they come for him, the same thing. And then a third time in the same week. Wow. So, so these kids, uh, when, when I was talking to him, he, he would say that the first time it was very hard. The second one, it, does, it wasn't that hard. The third one, he started feeling the power. He said, he said, Pastor, when you pull the trigger and you see these people just, you know, crumble to the ground uh, dead, 
you feel like you're someone, are you somebody? Wow. But after the fourth and the fifth and the sixth, uh, men start coming into their minds. Then they need to start taking drugs in order to continue doing what they're doing. So when he called me, it was three months later. Mm. So just think about it. He killed six person a week for six months. Wow. And this is a 16 year old. Yeah. So when he calls me, he calls me because says, Pastor, I'm, 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 I'm becoming crazy. I, I stay at my home and I wake up in the night. I saw myself in the mirror. I saw blood coming out from my face. I, I wake up at night. I, I see blood coming down from the from the from the walls of my room. He said, "I cannot take it anymore. I, I want out, but I cannot do it because if I'm uh, if I if I if I'm out, death uh, is the only way out." Oh yeah, yeah. They're going to kill me, or they're going to kill my sister, my mom, yeah. my brother. And he was kind of the oldest of the of the siblings. So he said, "I'm trapped." Mm. And that's what—that's the thing that these these people don't think of. Yeah. Uh, and and by this time you're using more drugs because you have to be drugged in order to keep on killing people. Wow. So it's it's man is so so. Uh, I when I talked to him, um, I said something. As a pastor, I never thought I would say mm. <laughs> because I told him, you know what you're gonna do? What you're gonna do is tomorrow, you're gonna go to a to a store, and you're gonna steal something. Yeah. Something is worth about a thousand pesos. At that time, it was close to a hundred dollars. Yeah. But you're gonna steal something, and you're gonna let yourself cut. They're gonna send you to prison. Yeah. For a few days or a few months, and uh, and and when you're in prison, we're gonna take care of you because wow. by that time the prison was already changed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I never thought that as a pastor I would say that I would tell somebody go steal, go steal something. Yeah. So, but that's what he did. Yeah. Because he said, when you do that, the, the mafia will knock you on the head. And then they say, you dummy, if you need more money, you should have come to us. But they're just going to scratch him from the list and leave him alone. Wow. Because he's not useful. Wow, that is incredible, isn't it? Yeah. But. So actually, he went to prison and uh, we, we had like 650 members congregation inside of the prison so we embraced him he gave himself to the Lord of course he had to get all these demons out of his mind and, yeah. but God is so powerful he, he heals people like that wow and uh, and, and the, the, the mafia just forget about him because he was useless wow but he didn't he, he wasn't at prison he, he didn't you know he, he, he didn't went out he just made a mistake so wow <laughs> Well, that's it for this week, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to continue this episode next week because there is a lot more that uh, Pastor Poncho has to share. So we will check in with you next week. See you soon.